Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. We've been going through a study entitled Life for a few months now, and uh, last week kind of took a break from it and saw some important things for uh, a Mother's Day service, but uh, this morning we're going to pick back up in that, and uh, just to remind you, if you weren't here, uh, I mean, if you were here, if you weren't here, the life point we saw in the last sermon was this, if God said it, He will do it, and you can trust it, or you should trust it, and so... Again, God never fails at His Word. His promises never fail. And so when we see something in God's Word, we can bank on it. Now, that that means that regardless of what we go through, regardless of how we feel, regardless of how things change in our life, the truth is God's Word. If He said it, that's what's true. And so, uh, again, our emotions will sometimes lead us to try to believe something else, uh, but uh, truth is found in the Word of God. It is the Word of God. And so... Uh, we saw that God did what he said, did what he promised in, uh, in this, and, and I want to apologize. I don't know that I put the uh, PDF out there on the notes for those of you who've been using that. Uh, we uh, apologize for that, so if you don't find that out there, that's because it's my fault. I'm sorry. But <laughs> I just now saw that. I saw some people trying to uh, write on those things. But um, anyways, God, God said something. He did what he said. Uh, to Joseph. Joseph believed him. Joseph lived by what God had promised, lived by what God had said. Regardless of what he was going through, regardless of what he endured, regardless of the negative things that he went through, good circumstances, bad circumstances, Joseph, we see, trusted in God's word. And so this morning, uh, as that is a great lesson for us, we're going to move forward and see hopefully two more life uh, points. I think we'll definitely get through one, uh, but hopefully we'll get to both of them because I think it's such an important thing for us to grab both of them. So let's pray, and we'll jump into this morning's message. Father, thank you so much again for this day, and uh, just thank you for the opportunity we've had to worship you. Um, God, uh, just the songs we sang this morning, uh, the, the thought that we've been crucified with Christ, and um, Lord, we're no longer our own, and the, that Christ is enough, and uh, we want your presence here, and we don't uh, you don't owe us anything. It's all the, the, the lyrics to those songs that we just raised to you. And um, God, they're, they're so impactful, so, so much truth and, and so important. And now as we turn to your word, I ask that uh, you would speak, Lord, that you would move in this place, that we wouldn't uh, just go through the motions as the song just said. Lord, uh, we don't want to just be here. God, we want to we meet with you. And I feel like that we've already experienced that. We want We want more, God. We want your spirit now to speak through your word, uh, to teach us, to admonish us, God, to challenge us, to convict us. Lord, if there's somebody here that doesn't have a relationship with you, Lord, show them that they're headed for an eternity of destruction and punishment that you have reserved for Satan and his demons. But God, that's going to be their destiny if they don't choose Jesus. God, if they don't accept the sacrifice that you provided on their behalf through him, Um, God, show them that this morning so that they can turn from their life of sin and turn to you in faith uh, and accepting that free gift of salvation. Lord, stir our hearts this morning. Be glorified in our presence. And again, use me just as a vessel so that you alone be glorified. We ask and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, uh, you can look in Genesis chapter 41. uh, And I just want to remind you, verse 57 
and it says this, that all countries came to, into Egypt to Joseph for to buy corn because the, that the famine was so sore in all the land. So again, the famine was so great in all of the land, the known world at that point in time, that all countries, all countries, the Bible says, came to Joseph to buy grain. So this is something that was a dire situa situation. I don't know that any of us have ever seen or experienced anything like that. Maybe you have, but I think for most of us, we haven't seen anything like this. But this is where they, were, they had to absolutely go to Egypt, everybody, to get substance uh, in this famine. And, and again, that's where we left off. For chapter 42 now is where we're going to pick up. In verse 1, it says, Now when Jacob saw that there was, no cor or there was corn in Egypt, Jacob said to his sons, Why do you look upon one another? Which is such an important thing, right? Such a dad thing to say to his sons. What are you guys doing standing around looking at each other? There's no, group, there's no food here. Do something. Make yourselves useful, right? So he says, look, why are you standing around looking at each other? Behold, I have heard that there's corn in Egypt. Get you down thither and buy for us from thence and that, that we may live and not die. That's a good idea, right? Go get food so we, can, so we can live and not die. Joseph's ten brethren went down to buy corn into Egypt. But Benjamin, Joseph's brother, his youngest brother, uh, the one underneath him again, Jacob sent not with his brethren because he said, lest for adventure mis mischief shall befall him. So again, remember, Joseph, I mean, yeah, Joseph and, and uh, Benjamin were the sons of Rachel, right? Uh, the, the one that Jacob wanted, the one that uh, he waited for. He got tricked into Leah, but he desired Rachel. Uh, he had children by Leah for so many years, and then uh, he ended up having children by Rachel being Joseph and Benjamin. So he knows there's a separation, there's a difference there between those. And so Joseph was sold in slavery, but his dad, uh, Jacob doesn't know that. Jacob thinks that he died, he's gone. He, he, he was, he was uh, taken by wild animals. And so um, now he's saying, you know what? I want you guys to go this, but last time that I had uh, one of my sons from Rachel go off with you, uh, he didn't come back. So Benjamin's not gonna go. He's not going to go with you guys. He's going to stay with me uh, in case mischief befalls him. And the son is, sons of Israel, which again, uh, Jacob's name was changed to Israel. We've seen that already. Uh, came to buy corn among those that came, for the famine was in the land of Canaan. Now listen to verse 6. So important. Joseph was the governor over the land, and he it was that sold to all the people of the land. Now, we're going to dig into this in just a minute, but that to me, when I, every time I've read that, is a phenomenal verse. Again, look at it again. Joseph, in Egypt, Joseph was the governor. And it was every, all the people of the land came to him, and he's the one that sold to them. Remember that. It goes on, it says, Joseph's brethren came and bowed, them down, bowed down themselves before him with their faces to the earth. Now, the reason why I said I want you to remember that is because I want you to get this. He who was sold into captivity was now the one who was selling to all countries. Amen. Think about that. He's the one that was sold into captivity. He was the one that was sold himself. Now he's the one selling not just to some people, but to all people in all countries. Everybody came to Joseph. The servant was now the supplier. The servant was now the supplier. Think about this. It's a phenomenal thing. The slave was now the supplier. This reminds me of Paul's explanation of law and sin and redemption in Romans chapter 7. Uh, Paul is explaining the role of the law to the Roman believers, and he showed that that's the law's point 
God's law, the point is to show us how sinful we really are. And that's what Paul was writing to the, the Romans in Romans chapter 7. All mankind is, is in this situation. Exceedingly sinful because the law of God is perfect, it's pure, it converts the soul. It's the one that shows us what sin is. Now listen to this. Joseph was the one that was sold into slavery. He was the one that was captive. We today are the ones who were sold into sin. We are the ones that are captive, slaves to sin, as Scripture says. The only hope for all people in our study was to go and buy grain from Joseph, was to find substance and food from Joseph. Our only hope today to find substance for life is found in Jesus Christ. Again, the only hope from the sin bondage, the only hope from the consequence of sin, which is death, is found in Jesus Christ alone. And Paul's exclamation is very clear in Romans chapter 7 as he goes through and says, uh, there's things that I do that I don't want to do. There's things that I don't do that I want to do. And I find that there's this law within my members, this wrestling, this warring against the law of my mind. And this law inside me, this law that is controlling this physical body, wants, it's the law of sin. It wants to do what it wants to do. My flesh wants to, uh, to sin because it has been captive to sin. But inside, the inner man, he delights after the law of God. And so I find this war raging within my members, he tells them. And so he exclaims this, this question in verse 24. He said, wretched man that I am, who's going to help me in this? Who's going to deliver me from the body, this body of death, this, this body that obeys the law of sin? Who is my redeemer? Who is my supplier? Who is the one that's going to save me from this bondage? And he says, verse 25, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's who's going to save us. That's going to be our supply. That's going to be our Savior. So he says, so then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with the flesh I serve the law of sin. It's the same thing that Jesus taught in John chapter 8, verse 31. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, this is what Jesus is saying to the Jews who had, put their, who had believed what Jesus had said. He says, if you abide in my word, so if you stay true to my word, if you stay true and obedient to my word, you are truly my disciples. It's a, test of, it's a test of true discipleship. If, if you in, in, endure, if you obey, if you continue to go, if you abide in his words, it's showing that you're truly his disciples. Because again, you can't say, I'm following Christ, but you don't obey him. That's to follow Christ. And so that's what he's saying. If you abide in my words, if you continue down the, that path, you, you show that you're truly my followers. And you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are the offspring of Abraham. And have never been enslaved to anyone. So how is it that you say that you'll become free? Again, they were relying on their, their raising. They were relying on their heritage. They were coming from the perspective that they had, it, had what they need because they were Jews. They were Hebrews. And Jesus was saying, listen, you're in bondage. You're in bondage to sin. The whole world is in bondage to sin. Every person who was without Christ is in bondage to sin. And the only way to be set free is to be freed by the truth. Remember what Jesus says in John chapter 14? I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Again, Jesus is the only way. So he says, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. 
So again, the truth. Jesus is the truth. He's the Savior. He's the supplier. He's the one. Again, Paul would, would claim to, to Timothy or proclaim to Timothy that he's the chiefest of sinners in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. What we would say is Paul was saying, I'm the most enslaved person to sin that there has been. I've been enslaved, and I'm the greatest. I'm the most enslaved. I'm the chiefest of sinners. But think about this. This is the amazing encouragement that we find in scripture in in our study this morning paul who would say i'm the the greatest captive i'm the most enslaved i'm the chiefest of sinners was now being used by christ in the freedom that christ gave him to be a supplier of the treasures of heaven to those who were enslaved themselves what was that the gospel of jesus christ so think about this the greatest slave self-proclaimed greatest slave to sin paul has been freed by Christ and now is being used by Christ to be the supplier of the treasure of heaven. What a beautiful story of God's grace. Even though sin is a struggle in each one of our lives, even if you've been a Christian for a long time, you you know the reality. If we're just honest this morning, sin is a struggle in all of our lives. Even though it's a struggle, it doesn't have to have the final say over your life. I know there's so many Christians that feel defeated in their sin, their struggle with sin. I I, I can't do anything. I I can't be used of God. Satan just absolutely pulls them down. Now listen, I'm not, I'm not, there's no, there's no allowance for sin or allowing sin in our life. There's no uh, condoning of sin in our life. In other words, if we have identified sin in our life, to just leave it there is not okay. Is there, God will just use me like this. No, no, no. Bible says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me, in Psalm 66, verse 18. And so to know that there's sin there and to disregard it and to allow it to remain in your life and then still try to serve the Lord is an error for the children of God. To see the sin and to confess the sin to God and to ask for forgiveness and to repent, to turn away from that sin, is what we need to do to be used of God. But it doesn't disqualify us. Well, I've, I've, I've committed this sin or I'm, I've struggled with this. I, I've, I've not witnessed to anybody in this long this sin of omission. Or I, I have not talked to God personally other than asking him to bless my food. I don't have this relationship with God. I don't, I don't read my Bible. Or I struggle with lust. Or I struggle, struggle with greed. Or I struggle with covetousness. I struggle with, with, with whatever you say. I mean, this is the struggle in my life. Just because the struggle is there doesn't mean it has the final say in your life. Again, not if we choose Christ. We see Joseph, as I've said before, as a type of Christ. I've explained before, a type of Christ is an Old Testament figure that points to the Messiah in the New Testament. And this, too, is a great example of that. And In Matthew chapter 20, we've seen this recently, 28, Jesus came as a servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and to give his life a ransom for many. In Philippians chapter 2, in verse 5, it says, Let this mind be in you which also is in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form, here it is, of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient, even unto death, even the death of the cross. 
So this is our example. Joseph being a type, he was a servant. Now he's the supplier. Jesus, the Messiah, was the servant of man, even though he was God. And in John chapter 10, verse 10, it says, The thief cometh not, for, uh, not but for to steal, to kill, and destroy. Jesus says, I am come that they might have life, and they might ha- that they might have it more abundantly. And so this morning, the first life lesson I want us to grab, t- for us to be reminded of, for us to be encouraged with, maybe even challenged with, is Jesus, the servant, is the supplier. Again, he is the servant. He came not to be served, but to serve, the Bible says. And he says that he has come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. This morning, if you say, man, I, I, uh, I think I've just, as a Christian, done too many wrong things. I've turned my back on God too many times. I've, I've quit on God too many times. Maybe not quit him physically, but you've quit him spiritually. And so I just don't know that God can use me. Listen, Joseph was in a dire circumstance. He was, you say, yeah, but Joseph was enslaved and and God used him. He didn't do anything wrong, really. Not that we know of. And God used him because he stayed true to God. That's what we've been preaching. But again, we have to understand the type here. We saw even the apostle Paul who proclaimed that he was the chiefest of sinners who proclaimed that there were times that he did things that he didn't want to do and didn't do things that he wanted to do. And, 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 and his only help, his only savior, his only supplier is found, his only supply is found in Jesus Christ. And so this morning, let's be reminded that Jesus is our supplier. Let's be reminded that he is the one who has come to give us freedom. He is the one that came to give us life. He is the only source of hope for us in this life. So maybe you feel defeated. Maybe you feel like I, I can't be used. Just remember It's not anything that you did on your own. It's not anything that you earned by yourself. It's because you came to Jesus and Jesus supplied your needs. Just as all lands had to come to Joseph to get their needs supplied by Joseph, you and I have come to Jesus to get our needs met. And he's still the supplier today. If you've got a relationship with him, he still supplies every single thing that you need. The grace for today, the mercy for today, everything we need, he supplies to us. If you're here this morning and you've never come to Jesus for what he offers, you've never, you know that you've never surrendered your life, truly surrendered. Maybe you've prayed a prayer, maybe you've been to church, maybe you've gone through the religious motions, but you know you've never given your life to Christ. You've never just laid it all down and said, I trust you and I want to follow you. I want to tell you there is no other source, there's no other supplier that can give you what you need other than Jesus. No, no one can give you life other than Jesus. There's no alternative. There's no uh, you know, surrogate. There's no other way to have what God offers other than through Jesus Christ. People had to go to Joseph, the Bible said. There was no way around it. They had to go to him to buy the substance they needed to live. We've got to go to Jesus to receive what we have to have to live. Again, in our study, Joseph was that figure. Jesus, in the New Testament, John chapter 6, verse 28, they said unto him, what shall we do that we might work the works of God? What a good question. How, how, what do we need to do so that we can do the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God, that you believe on him who hath sent. Wow, that's it. That's what you need to do. You need to trust me. 
You need to trust me alone and then let God use you from there. They said, therefore, unto him, what signs showest thou then that we may see and believe thee? You gotta, you gotta give us something. What, what doest thou work? Our fathers did eat man in the desert. As, written, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. That was the sign. That's how they knew that they were going the right path because they were in the wilderness. They had no food and God rained manna down in the desert to supply grain for them. They had to rely on God in the desert and so he showed up and the miracle happened. Jesus, what do you have to offer us? That's basically what they were saying. You're saying, believe you, but you gotta show us something. So Jesus said, verily, verily, truly, truly, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, it, it, it wasn't Moses, but the Father which giveth you true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. And Jesus then said they unto him, sorry, Lord, evermore give us this bread. Listen, if you've got this bread, then give it to us. Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. He that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I said unto you that you also have seen me and believe not. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. What a, what a beautiful picture, again, of God's grace, of Jesus being the supplier, of Jesus being the source, the servant being the supplier. He is the only, only source we go to. How many times in life do we try to figure it out our own? How many times in life do we try to pull from our own supply versus going back to the supplier? I don't know about you, but I've done it before. I've done it to where I feel like I exhaust myself and I feel so worn down because I haven't necessarily gone to the supplier alone. Maybe that's where you're at this morning. Maybe you're trying to draw from your own will. Maybe you're trying to, try to, try to get through this season of your life with your own supplies. I mean, maybe you're trying to try to go off of what's left in the tank. Look, he's, he's still available. The servant, the supplier is still there. We still can go to him right now today and say, God, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. Today we can still go to him and say, listen, God, I, I'm not feeling it. You know I'm not feeling it. You can see my heart. You can see my mind. You can see what I'm going through. I'm struggling here. God, I need you to supply my needs right now. And sometimes he has supplied our needs. We just want something else, right? Because we're going to see in just a second, his brothers come for a purpose, to get corn, to get grain. They didn't come and say, you, you ain't got no fruit or something here too. You, know, that, that, you ain't got something else. I mean, all you got is grain. I know that's what we came for. They don't, that's not what happens. But again, back here, Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. You, you're, you're never going to go without this. If you come to me, I'll know as, know as cast you out. For I came down from heaven, verse 38, not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will, which has sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing. What a great assurance. But should raise it up again at the last day. Did you just hear what he said? If you are Jesus Christ, if he has supplied you life and you are in him and he is in you, you will never be lost. That's what he says. Amen. He says, and this is the Father's will which has sent me that of all which he hath given me, he's talking about his people, I should lose nothing. 
but shall raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I'll raise him up at the last day. The Jews then murmured at him because he said, I'm the bread which, uh, which came down from heaven. If you look back in our text again in Genesis chapter 42, verse 6, the first part, as I said a while ago, again, remember that Joseph was the governor over all the land. He it was that sold to all the people of the land. So think about this again. If people wanted to live, that's just the reality. If they wanted to live, they had to come to Joseph. Now that was physically live. If they wanted to continue their physical lives, they had no other option other than to go and to buy from Joseph. And today, if anybody wants to live, they must come to Jesus. That's exactly what Jesus just said. Again, that's the typology that we see in Scripture with him. Not if you want to physically live. But if you want to live, you have to come to Jesus. That's what Scripture says. We all, all are going to die physically. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, it says, It's appointed unto man once to die. After this, the judgment. And so again, every single one of us, we're going to face the physical death. But for those who have trusted Christ alone... It's not really death. It's the door. So if you put your faith in Christ, if you come and you, you've got the substance that he alone can provide, then no matter what happens to you in this life, no matter what death you die, you actually are simply going to go through a door. And that's what Jesus explained in John chapter 11. He said unto her, I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. I don't know about you, but that gives me great comfort. That gives me great hope. That's exactly what Jesus was trying to provide for her. He said, listen, I want you to understand, if you have believed in me, even though you die physically, you will be alive. You'll never die. What we consider death, you'll ne what man considers death, you'll never truly experience that. I, I want us to get this. Again, Genesis chapter 42, verse 4. Joseph was no longer the Hebrew slave. He was no longer considered the Hebrew servant. He was no longer, oh, that, 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 the Hebrew slave that's down in the dungeon. But he was a governor. He was a governor over all of Egypt. You know what the word governor here is? Prince. He's the prince. Who's the prince? He's the second in line, right? The king, then the prince. Think about that. Somebody in a foreign, I want you to get the spiritual correlation. Somebody who was a foreigner in that land, who was in bondage and who was a slave, who had no hope, no, nothing could help him, no one could help him. It had to be God alone delivering him. And God did. God, God made a way, worked, freed him from bondage, took him from the slave state he was in, took him from the servant condition he was in, took those names off of him, took slave, took servant, took bond servant off of his name and gave him a new name. And the new name was Prince. Prince. What an amazing story of grace. He who was a prisoner is now a prince. The servant, a supplier, the prisoner, a prince. Amazing. 
an amazing, beautiful story. But that's exactly what happens for us when we entrust our lives to Jesus Christ. Trusting Him alone for salvation, trusting Him alone to deliver us, to rescue us from bondage, to save us, to give us eternal life. He takes us from being that slave to sin that we talked about a while ago, that Jesus said anyone who uh, lives in sin is a servant or a slave to sin. He takes us from that, and we become saints. He takes us from being servants to sin to saints in His kingdom. He takes us from being prisoners held captive by our own sin and our own flesh, and he makes us his princes. The Bible says that we become joint heirs with Jesus Christ. And I, I don't know if you've thought much on that before, but I, I, I've thought about that a lot. That the one who came to die for us, the only one worthy, the only one who could pay the price, the only lamb that was, that was perfect, the perfect sacrifice for all of our sins, he leaves heaven, comes here in the form of a servant, just as we read in Philippians chapter 2, becomes obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, pays for our sins, then offers us salvation. The supplier is willing to give us everything, give us the entire kingdom, and to make us joint heirs with him in that eternal kingdom. That's a mind-blowing thing to me. Like, again, you think about, some of you know the story of the prodigal son. He leaves he goes out and wastes his, all of his inheritance. He comes back, and when he comes back, he says, listen, all I want to do is be the lowest servant, basically, in my father's house. And what does the father do? No, kill the fatted calf, put a ring on his finger, a robe on him, clean him up, because today my son has come home. You are a son. You are the prince. You're not the scum of the earth. You're no longer a servant. You're a prince. Again, when I think that this is what God does in our, in, in our relationship with him, again, thinking about what we said a while ago, thinking about the sins we've committed, thinking about how unworthy we are. It's not just that, oh man, I'm just glad I'm going to heaven. No, we are a, a, a prince. We are princes. We are his children, joint heirs with Christ. This is a, a humbling privilege, a humbling privilege to be joint heirs, to be princes in the kingdom of God. Takes us from those flesh-serving bond slaves to sin to becoming saints. But what comes along with that? Just as we saw with the Apostle Paul, just even we see with Joseph, he takes us and he says, I'm going to take you from being the servants of sin to suppliers of the seed. I'm taking you from being a servant to sin to a supplier of the seed. Of course, the seed we know is the word of God. It's the gospel. The miracle that God does in this is, is just mind-blowing to me. It, it, it truly is mind When someone would have looked at Joseph in his dire bondage, they would have said, they would have never said, I think God's going to make him the prince of this land one day. That, that's not what happens, right? We see this guy who's in a foreign land. He's been accused of all these things by the, the, the Pharaoh, by Potter, the governor's uh, wife. Uh, and um, he gets thrown in prison, and he's there. He's forgotten. Somebody, on, from an objective viewpoint, looking at Joseph's life would say, man, it, that stinks to be him. <laughs> that's, that's how he's going to finish off his life. Just 
falsely accused, a slave sold by his brothers, just turn, abandoned, lied about. What a miserable life and probably what a miserable death he's going to die. That, that's the way that most people would look at it. People wouldn't think, what a miserable life. God's going to make him the second in charge. God's going to make him the one that everybody has to, to get seed from. Again, it's a miracle. When they look at us, probably think the same thing. I know when they looked at Jesus, they thought the same thing. They looked at Jesus, he's just a carpenter's son from Galilee. Nothing good comes out of Galilee. God would use Jesus again. The Father would use him to supply to all nations. For us today, maybe as I said a while ago, you think, God can't use me. God won't use me. I, I'm, I, I, this, is, this is my life, and this is where I'm at. Listen, you may think that, but this is what God's word says. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Therefore, having this ministry, by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, listen, it's veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake, for God who has said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Verse 7 says this, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels or jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God, not to us. We're afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken. I want you to think about Joseph as well as we're talking about this, but this is Paul talking. Persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always get being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh so that death is at work in us but life in you. Skip down to chapter 5 and verse 17. He goes on to say that anyone's in Christ who's a new creature. Old things are past and all things have become new. He says that we've been given this ministry of reconciliation in verse 18, who has reconciled us to himself. And he says that, verse 20, that we're ambassadors for Christ. Think about this. We represent the kingdom of almighty, holy God. As Christ came down as the, the Savior, as, 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 as again, he, he's God in the flesh, he was the expression of God, the manifest presence of God, as the scripture says. He, 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 that is the representation. That is God. That is him in the flesh. You and I now, as the church, the body of Christ, are the representatives, are the, 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 the expression of who God is, or supposed to be, we are, in this world today. Ambassadors. Back in... The sermon in, in uh, Sermon 27, I think. The dream that Joseph told his brothers 
hey, you're going to bow down, basically. And they were like, yeah, we're not going to bow down. It was because they had something. They missed something. I'm, I'm going to, we'll hold off on that. I'm going to hold off on that, and we'll, we'll do the next one, the next sermon. That goes back even if God said it, he's, he's going to do it. But this morning, I, I want to encourage you as a close. Maybe say, man, I, I just, I'm missing something. Maybe you're in your Christian walk, and you feel like something's missing. You feel like something's empty. Maybe you said a while ago, maybe you feel like you're trying to draw from a supply that you don't have. I want to submit this morning as maybe as simple as Brother Sean's song was this morning. Maybe that's what you need to tell the Lord today. I just need you. Nothing else. Maybe you're trying to do it too much in your own strength. Maybe even trying to come here today. Maybe trying to be a part of uh, of the body of Christ, you're trying to do it in your own strength. Maybe there's distractions. Maybe there's things that are going on that are, that are pulling at, uh, on your affections. Listen, it really boils down to trusting Jesus as the supplier. Yes, for eternal life. Yes, for salvation. But for your daily needs. The Bible says he gives us everything that we need. So maybe that's what you needed to hear. That maybe, maybe you need to be encouraged this morning. Or again, as I said earlier, maybe you've never come to Christ for his supply. Maybe you've never turned your life over to him. Today can be that day. And I want to encourage you to, to make that move. You can come down this morning. We're going to have uh, an invitation, some, some gentlemen standing down here. Maybe you just want to come down and say that. You know what? I've tried to do church. I've tried to pray the prayer. But I know I, I don't have a real relationship with the Lord. You can come and make that real today. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for this opportunity again to be reminded, uh, to be charged, Lord, uh, again, that you are the supplier. But not only are you the supplier, God, you, you have also taken us from being servants to being saints. Lord, you've given us a high privilege of being joint heirs. You've given us a, a great responsibility in being ambassadors for your kingdom. Lord, we're not just supposed to say, we've got eternal life and that'll do. We're supposed to go and share this seed. We are the ones you've entrusted to be the suppliers of your word. Lord, help us be faithful in doing that. Help us be the right ambassadors, faithful ambassadors. I pray you just move now in this invitation. Help us respond rightly in Jesus' name.